What's up, queens? Welcome to the Female Dating Strategy Podcast, the meanest female-only podcast on the internet. I'm Ro. I'm Savannah. And this week, well, the firestorm, allegedly, men being lonely and having less sex is apparently a public health crisis that we all need to give a shit about. And quite frankly, uh, we don't. (laughs) Yeah, no one care. No one care at all. (laughs) This was kicked off by a Philadelphia congressional candidate called Alexandra Hunt, who began a long thread about how basically young men aren't having sex and we all need to care and that it's such a tragedy. And she was being very intellectually dishonest in this thread, I feel, which we'll go through in the sense that she was trying to conflate. Well, there were several instances like where she was being intellectually dishonest, but you know, the first thing is she was trying to conflate people not wanting to have sex with certain men as, you know, sex being taboo and, you know, criminalized. So in order to get over that, we need to just basically decriminalize sex, even though having sex is not criminalized in society. If anything, it's the opposite. And I find there's always the people within, I guess, the adult industry who like to say that we need to destigmatize sex when we live in a very, very sex-driven society. Like, you know, from the time when we have, you know, sexual attractiveness and, you know, sexual themed adverts selling perfumes all the way to selling cars, you can't tell me that we don't live in a sex-driven society where sex is the norm to the point where it's actively used to sell, you know, products that are unrelated to sex, such as everything from glasses to perfume to cars even. So, I mean, what makes her entire platform so offensive is that, first of all, a lot of people were telling her that she was misguided and she just doubled down on all of it. She basically cited this statistic that's been floating around for a while now. I think this was a survey that was taken at the end of last year, if I'm not mistaken. And it was about the increase in male sexlessness, basically since 2008, that male sexlessness took a huge spike from 2008 to 2018, from what it looks like somewhere around 15% of men who weren't having sex in the past year to almost 28% of men had not had sex in the past year as of 2018. So you're looking at the male sexlessness rate quite literally doubling over the course of 10 years. So she attributes this to a bunch of, quote, deeper problems. So like just reading off her tweet here, it starts with, young men aren't having sex. Nearly a third of men under 30 have not had sex and a higher percent do not have as much sex as they'd like. Not exactly surprising, but this kind of statistic is a sign of much deeper problems. Our society criminalizes sex and sweeps it under the rug. The consequences are straightforward. There's more violence. So first of all, that assumption right there is like the first part where she got off course where she was saying well the consequences of not having enough sex for men is more violence so that's her assumption that's her like inputting her editorial commentary on what is happening because of quote-unquote male sexlessness and it's a basic research flaw in that correlation does not equal causation Yeah. Okay. So she keeps going. Since platforms like Craigslist were banned from advertising sex, serious violent crimes against all women, not just sex workers, has increased by nearly one fifth. Like, I think most people would say it's the massive economic crash that happened in 2008, but you know, go off. (laughs) And also, let's be real. What she's talking about is the reported number of serious violent crimes, because, you know, serious violent crimes against women have always been happening, but it's only within the last decade that women have felt like they can come forward about it. So again, it's not really telling us anything because, you know, the statistics, you know, could have been the same 20 years ago, but if only, you know, women are reporting it more now, it could seem like it's increasing when it's not, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, but she doesn't even specify it's sex crimes. She just says general violent crimes. I'm like, that could be any number of reasons that have absolutely nothing to do with men not getting laid. But not having sex. Yeah. I I think it's just, like I said, 2008 was when we had that massive economic crash. Like it was whenever you have the bottom drop out of society, there tends to be more crime. Like there's just a bunch of other, she makes all these connections here that just make no sense. And then people try to correct there and she just, she doesn't get it, which will keep going. Yeah. So she continues, and men who do not have sex suffer. They are less likely to be part of the labor force and more likely to experience depression, nihilism, and other mental health issues. Once again, correlation is not causation. Them not having sex is probably not the cause of those issues. It's probably a manifestation of those issues. No, and I've not heard anybody being diagnosed with a mental health issue because of lack of sex. Right. (laughs) That is not in the diagnostic criteria of any mental health issue. Like, what the fuck? Continuing, the Me Too movement accomplished so much, we have to take the next step, normalizing having healthy, positive, consensual sex, decriminalizing sex work, funding sex education, and creating outreach programs that help young people develop sexual habits. Again, the thing with her is she's just the last person I think should be doing this because she's just woefully uninformed. And it's always the people that we all collectively don't want teaching kids about sex that are always volunteering. And it's just, (laughs) I don't know what that's about. This is where it gets a rapid descent into like a hell-driven scape like bandits. This is from here, here on in. For context, the original tweet had is ratioed to hell. So ratioed meaning there's way more quote tweets and negative comments than likes. So the original tweet has 4,733 quote tweets. And then this tweet I'm about to read has 8,500 and it's down at the bottom of the thread. So she says, we should be moving toward a right to sex. People should be able to have sex when they feel they want to, and we need to develop services that meet people's needs without attaching the baggage of shame or criminalization. So let's talk about sex. So the right to sex just triggered people to all the get out, which we'll get back to. Her last uh, comment in the sweet thread, we need to bring these discussions to the spotlight. Normalizing healthy, positive sex will have too many downstream benefits to list. We need to move past our history of shame. It's time to bring sex into the light. So like Savannah said earlier, like it's not as if sex has been... I don't know what planet she's living on where like sex is like not an integral part of society and quite frankly everywhere, especially with unfettered internet access. Especially with the Western world as well. Like it's very open, overt, like it's everywhere. Yeah. So I don't really know what she's talking about from the time when you can get baby grows that says on it, you know, daddy's cum slut for fuck's sake, like literally like sexual branding on baby grows. Yeah. So, okay. So she steps in it with this tweet. Pretty much everybody, and I mean everybody, drags her. The conservatives drag her. Current sex workers drag her. Obviously, the feminists drag her with this entire right to sex concept. It's funny because it was like a rare moment of complete united solidarity against this one woman across all political aisles. We're all like, what the entire fuck are you talking about? To be honest, that takes special, special skill to have everybody across the political spectrum basically saying you're wrong. Yes. Okay, so she has a TikTok. The only people who were agreeing with her between the TikTok and Twitter were these like clearly, clearly sex buyer males, like men who buy prostitutes, right in that demographic, right? Like the middle-aged, pretty much predominantly white male and being like, oh, no, 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 hear her out, right? Like... (laughs) So the only people who are agreeing with this are unattached as of, I can't tell what their political affiliation is, but they're probably on both sides from the left and the right of men who think they're entitled to purchase sex. But I'm going to guess that most of them are leftists, which is why they're 
kind of behind the pro-prostitution stance, whereas conservatives tend to be pretty anti-prostitution as a platform. But unless they're libertarian and then libertarians are like, don't think the government should stop them from purchasing sex. So it's like, this is like a place where it's just, it's a united coalition of scrotes against all of the rest of the sane people in society. Yeah. <laughs> the cumas. But I just want to pause and talk about what a right to sex actually means and why this was a complete like joke of a thread in amongst other things because she talks about the right to sex but then she then in the literally the next tweet she then says you know we should be promoting consensual healthy positive sex which i actually agree with i think that's correct the problem is if you make something a right it means that the government has can step in and provide you with that entity if you don't get it yourself if you look at like housing for example people have a right to shelter if you don't have shelter the government can provide you with housing and so a right to sex cannot be a thing because sex hinges on the consent of another person, which you can't have a right to in a way that's ethical and in a way that's not illegal. So even like this whole term, and it's not just her who's come out with this right to sex, even organizations like Amnesty International and the UN have basically said that having sex should be a human right. And it's deeply problematic because the people that are going to suffer from such a right to sex in quotation marks is women. Because when they talk about a right to sex, they never talk about a right to sex in the context of, you know, women should have orgasms or, you know, we should be able to fuck, you know, men that look like Michele Modane, the guy who played Massimo in, in Three Six Five Days. It's always in relation to men who cannot get sex of their own accord. And that's how you just know that if they're pushing for this, this is just an example of you know, patriarchy, trying to make women's bodies sexually available. And I think Alexandra's a Democrat as well. So again, it's like, you know, Andrea Dawkins said, when the right see, you know, women as private, you know, property and the left see women as public property. Yeah, I mean, this is a perfect example of that. And why, again, it's such a difficult topic to even broach on the left, because every time you try to talk about sex positivity, you have these type of women taking the front and center stage. She's just so woefully uninformed that even the liberal feminists couldn't defend her, right? Like, <laughs> whereas I feel like if she had been like slightly more educated on some of the topics surrounding sex work and then just sound like she was regurgitating the words of one of her Johns or one of like ex-boyfriend who's trying to exploit her, the club owner that she strips at, then it would sound a little bit more coherent. But this just sounds like some guy who is trying to sexually exploit women is really trying to make this a platform. Like I wouldn't be surprised if she was secretly being funded by OnlyFans or something like that. And speaking of OnlyFans, like she was complaining. So she used to be a stripper and I guess she also had content on OnlyFans. And so a couple of days before she made this tweet, she was like tweeting a call to action because I guess when in the course of being investigated by media because of her congressional candidacy, they uncovered her OnlyFans pictures and leaked them. So she's not getting paid for them anymore. So she's upset about it. So I'm like, yeah, that does kind of suck, but it does happen all of the time on Reddit, especially like that. I mean, that's kind of the whole deal with OnlyFans and why a lot of women don't make money because all it takes is one person going in and leaking your pictures and they're not going to pay for it. So yeah. So she's a former sex worker who is getting dragged by even other sex workers and seems to just not grasp the major problems with a lot of her statements. And she kept contradicting herself as well. Like, I don't really, like when she started getting dragged, she, you know, when people do that whole, it's taken out of context when you read the context exactly as it was meant. And it's just like, it's just, yeah, taken out of context doesn't really apply if you said what you said sort of thing, say it with your chest sort of thing. And she just wasn't really making much sense. But I did find that, 
I'm not sure if it was, again, correlation, not equaling causation, but there was other murmurings elsewhere on Twitter that me and Roe got involved in to varying degrees about the loneliness that men experience specifically. And the tweets and reactions to that was also doubly interesting because, again, just like Alexandra was trying to frame men's lack of sex as a societal issue, the men complaining about male loneliness were also trying to frame it as a social issue. And, you know, when they frame it as a social issue, what they're really saying is that women need to fix this because they're not looking to their fellow men for solutions. They're looking to women to solve it. Well, they are, but they're looking at guys like Andrew Tate. And that's the problem. Andrew Tate. But I mean, in terms of being actual part of the actual solutions, it's clear that they want women to give them sex, to get into relationships with them, to soothe their ego. They're not looking to other men, you know, for practical solutions. They're not saying, okay, let us set up, I don't know, like a male only space that we can meet once a week. Like women do. That's what women do. That's how we organize. We say, you know, we don't have a space to meet other women. We'll create one. We'll have women only gyms or have women only, you know, drink ups in pubs. But men don't really do that. I think the problem is, is that men who are getting laid probably aren't that much interested in doing the charity work of helping these incels get laid. Like, why would they? Exactly. So they outsource it to women is what I'm saying. Like, and again, I think you see the clear male hierarchy. And again, especially the contempt that men have for other men who don't struggle in this area as well. So like Lilla said, it's a massive crack in male solidarity when it comes to the men who get sex and the men who don't. Yeah, they don't want pussy repellents around. <laughs> Pussy scavengers. Pussy scavengers. <laughs> okay, so after this firestorm of her getting collectively dragged by everyone on the internet because of, first of all, her false correlations with the male sexlessness problem, like she just assigns all these causes and these solutions that make no sense to anybody who's done mm, two minutes of research on the topic. So she doubles down a few times. And so she writes this big, long letter about her statement about like, see my statement on the topic of young men having less sex here. And she starts, first, I want to make something clear. I do not believe sex can exist without consent, period. I do not believe sex workers have an obligation to help or support anyone but themselves. As a sex worker and someone who has experienced sexual violence, I'm acutely aware of the ever-present risks of sexual violence facing anyone who is not a cishet man who dares to have sex in our society. I'd like to discuss a very important, albeit nuanced issue, rates of sex among men. Now, before you groan me and call me names, hear me out. I want to create an environment where everyone feels confident, comfortable, and competent having safe sex with affirmative consent. No, this doesn't mean we should force women to service violent men. I'm envisioning a world where young men are good in bed. Yes, but like, okay, the problem is they're not even attracting women to be good in bed. But okay, so here she goes. You see, young men just aren't even having as much sex as they used to. A Washington Post article showed a surprising decline in sexual activity among men 18 to 30 years old. Why does this matter? Well, research shows that when men and particularly young men aren't having sex, they have more anxiety and depression, fewer meaningful relationships and friendships, less in participation in the workforce, a declining rate of college attendance and lower rates of home ownership. Home ownership is caused by their lack of sex. <laughs> like i might actually steal this as an example of how correlation doesn't equal causation like on the home ownership thing do you not think it might have something to do with the fact that wages are stagnating and the cost of housing is skyrocketing like the cost of you can know it's very difficult now to get a a mortgage on a decent sized family home on one income than it was say 30 years ago maybe that might have had an impact and just when she was saying how many have, have less sex <laughs> don't go to work <laughs> less likely to have a job and i'm just like but even if that's true that might just be a self-fulfilling prophecy cycle because let's face it what woman wants to fuck a guy who doesn't have a job and it leads to other things as well but women fuck guys that don't have jobs all the time that's the thing <laughs> like 
that's true that's true and also it's individual differences but they might be in an industry where there are very few jobs available because you know how in you know some jobs that require a lot of skill if you've just graduated it might take you a while before you find there are so many variables around careers again you know men in that fewer men being in the workforce that may account for fewer men being in the workforce that have nothing to do with whether or not they have sex like what the fuck Yeah, this is, once again, she's just creating all of these solutions and causes to a problem of men not getting laid, and none of it has anything to do with their personal responsibility to make themselves fuckable. And then a lot of people are pointing out in the comments, like, this is probably a terrible platform to have at a time where abortion rights are under threat, considering that if we can't even get public access to necessary reproductive health care because of these draconian anti-abortion laws, like why are you trying to force a bunch of sexless men on everybody? There's so many other reasons for this. And so she doubles down on everything. And she says, I know what you're thinking, Alexandra, you're a feminist. Why do you care about young men having less sex? I care because I know it's a sign of a much deeper issue hurting everyone in our country. The issue is class warfare. So men having sex is class warfare. (laughs) We are seeing the most extreme wealth gaps between generations in our country's history, and the impact is so severe that even young men who have previously thrived in a country built for their success are feeling the pressure. Stress is a pretty major cock block, as most women know. Yeah, so even if that were true, the thing is, is like, then you have to fix the economy. Like, what are you talking about the rest of this other shit? Why are you expecting women to fix the problem? Like, and this is essentially what she's saying, because like she's dancing around the fact that as usual, like she's expecting women to fix the problem because decriminalizing sex workers are response to this. Women make up majority of sex workers. It's not men. Yeah, that was her other platform is that, okay, so her solutions are basically uh, creating a right to sex. And she's trying to frame it as if the right to sex is a human right. And we're all collectively saying, no, it is not. This is not like food, water and air. And also what she means is it's a male right. Because also if you make it a human right as well, it means that countries don't have to address the problem of things like abuse and sex work and trafficking if it's a human right as well. So in a way, it's also a copper. That's why organizations like i said at the top of the podcast like amnesty and even the un have basically said that sex should be a human right and again who does that narrative serve it's not women because you know sex is a human right but they never say like women are entitled to orgasms you know women have a right to sleep with men they're attracted to it's always comes from the perspective that men should have sex on demand Yeah, I don't know what a right to sex is other than like the government can't, shouldn't be able to stop you unless it's criminal, right? Maybe that's the only thing. I think it goes deeper than that. I think that she literally said people should have sex when they want to. The problem is though, it relies on the consent of the other person. The only way a right to sex can actually be a thing is if you're basically going to legalize people being made to have sex against their will. Yeah, she wants to create a pathway to paid sex because she explicitly says that. And that's part of the reason why she wants to focus on this decriminalization model. But even paid sex, like sex workers can still say no. But if it's a right, then if a sex worker says no to a John, he can then turn around and sue her. It's just like if, say, the government denied your right to free speech or anything, you can sue them. Or if they denied your, just like any of your other basic rights, you can sue them. And citizens have won, like, legal cases against governments, you know, where they have infringed upon their rights. It'll be like our Patreon episode about the prescription prostitute. Oh, God. (laughs) The man that sued the NHS because he was trying to use some of his funds to... I think some of his disability funds to buy sex workers. And the commissioning group, so each 
trust is assigned a commissioning group you basically decide where funding goes so if you want treatment on the nhs your doctor or provider has to basically apply to the ccg clinical commissioning group who will decide okay yeah we'll fund that we won't fund this for example and so they initially funded it then they withdrew the funding and then he then took them to court saying they're infringing upon his human rights because like sex is a right and they should pay for it basically yeah if you can give a scrotal cookie He's going to think he's entitled to said cookie and also a prostitute. So (laughs) this is why we don't give them shit. What's up, queens? This episode is brought to you by our sponsors, Athletic Greens. AG1 by Athletic Greens is a nutritional drink that you can drink every day for optimal health. I've been taking AG1 every morning after the gym mixed into a green smoothie. I like to mix it with some pineapple juice, a couple of ginger cubes, and a handful of spinach and some kale. One scoop of AG1 and you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. AG1 is my daily microhabit that makes it easy to absorb key nutrients, lead a healthy lifestyle, and feel my best. And to make it easier for you to obtain better health, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash FDS. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash FDS to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. One scoop, one minute, once a day, every day. AG1 by Athletic Greens. Can't stand your co-worker? Did a friend ruin your wedding? Do you just need someone to be real with you for once in your life? Comedian Eliza Schlesinger wants to be the person who will give the advice you actually need to live your best life, while making you laugh, of course. Every week on Ask Eliza Anything, people submit their burning questions on topics like how to deal with bad coworkers, bridesmaid drama, faking an accent, and so much more. From the wise and heartfelt to the rage-inducing, Eliza's answers are always entertaining. Eliza is so confident about her advice, you'll want to ask her questions weekly. So go ahead and ask Eliza anything. And let Eliza give you the advice that your friends won't. Listen to Ask Eliza Anything wherever you get your podcasts. Now, back to the show. So yeah, that was Alexandra's really, really dead take on just... <laughs> Last take before we move on. And I want to make this abundantly clear because there's a lot of people who are liberal feminists who seem to not understand basic supply and demand. First of all, her plan is actually terrible when she's trying to say, like, we should just fully decriminalize sex work to give men more access to sex workers. And the truth of the matter is, like, any industry that if you completely decriminalize it, it actually drives wages down significantly. And for women who are doing, quote unquote, full service sex works and or like, you know, traditional prostitution, 99% of them want to be out of it. And when you drive down wages, a lot of times it makes the consumers, meaning men, have way more power in that market and be able to demand a lot more degrading and abusive content content for them, as well as it takes much longer for women to accumulate enough money to get out of the profession if they need to. So full decriminalization in general is not the model that we look for. There's another model called the Nordic model, which is criminalization of sex buyers, but not sellers. Women are penalized for prostituting, but men are penalized for buying sex. And what it does is it cripples the ability for men to demand, to basically exert consumer demand, as well
well as discourages the expansion of the industry. So you want it to be profitable enough so that like the women who want to get out of it can get out of it. And it's not like uh, places in Europe where women where a sex is fully legalized. And then what ends up happening is a lot of uh, women's just end up as a perpetual pimp cycle because they can never make enough money to buy out their pimp, so to speak. So you have to, in some respect, because this is a desperation job, thwart male consumer power by making it criminal on their side. So I just wanted to talk about that because I don't know that we've fully laid out like why the full decriminalization model is short-sighted from a lot of like liberal feminists who are like, we have to make sex work a normalized profession. I'm like, actually, that's a horrible idea because once capitalism gets a hold of it, it's going to create pressure that incentivizes the same thing any other industry would incentivize, which is low wages and a high output. So you don't want to do that. <laughs> Yeah. And already the Johns are already talking about forming like unions where they can then just basically drive down prices. And another thing as well is that when they say sex work is work, they kind of want to have it both ways. So they want to be recognized as like a normal legal profession, but then they want the choice to be able to pick and choose who they see. Now, if... It's in a normal profession, for example, you cannot discriminate against somebody on protected characteristics such as their age, their disability, their race, for example. And a lot of sex workers, they do discriminate based on those characteristics. So there are some sex workers who will say, I don't see black men. I don't see African-Americans, right? If you make it a legal business, you cannot do that. And so then that draws into a massive issue around consent. Like, I don't believe anybody should be forced to have sex with anybody they don't want to. But this is why it cannot be seen as a normal job. Like, you can't, a worker at McDonald's, they can refuse to serve you for bad behavior. They can kick you up, but they cannot say, if, if I walk in there, I'm not serving you because you're black. Because last week I was assaulted by a black worker, therefore uh, no black people in the shop. They can't say that. Not to mention the OSHA violation rules. I mean, can you just imagine the public health violation rules? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like here, it's against the Equalities Act. So what will happen is Johns will be taking sex workers to court and they will win because they are being discriminated against on the basis of a protected characteristic. And I would really encourage people clamoring for it to be made, you know, sex work is work, to read what the protected characteristics actually are because there's quite a few that you just cannot legally discriminate against somebody for. And so there's also that issue as well. Yeah. So... Just no cis all around, probably the biggest Nasus and biggest public L from a liberal feminist that we've seen in quite some time, <laughs> a sex positive feminist, to the point where even other feminists, like in the quote tweets, there's a lot of other feminists who are just, they're dragging her because the entire premise is just, is based on so many wrong assumptions and so many wrong headed solutions. So being the internet, this caused like a firestorm of retweets and comments from these men who were like, nobody cares about men's problem. Everyone's laughing. Everyone's laughing at us because we aren't getting laid and we're lonely and no one paying attention to us. And so no one gives a shit. And so like you can see there was like a split and divide between like they're perpetually online. Pretty much anybody with an anime avatar <laughs> in their profile <laughs> was complaining about how nobody cares about men's problems. And this was an illustration of that. And then a bunch of women just like cracking the fuck up on the timeline. Like, uh, well, yeah, see then rage. I do find it's like the greatest vindication for when we've always said that when men threaten women with being alone and cat ladies, wine ladies in their old age, it's really projection because they're out here crying about how their loneliness is a social problem, but at the same time saying any woman who doesn't comply with 
the sort of image or way of being that they feel a woman should be, that they're going to end up alone when actually they're the ones who are making the biggest deal out of being alone. Yeah. Projection. This game of chicken was always going to end with them losing. You know what I mean? Like that's the big lie of the manosphere and like the central lie of the manosphere. Love that game of chicken. I love it. No, it it is because like they rely on so many fear tactics and abuse tactics to force women into relationships and marriage. Because if they actually had a good thing and had a lot of leverage, you wouldn't see a lot of these manosphere types spending so much time talking about why women are going to die alone and like the wall and all these types of things. They would be able to explicitly detail like why it's beneficial to get into a marriage even with a guy who's quote unquote not high value or something like that more or less what they do is they just talk about how uh, women need to settle or else right and like the or else is never really described (laughs) except for like you won't have a man then and we're all like well yeah we know but it's vastly superior to the other option which that be saddled with some shitty scrote who doesn't make our lives improved in any type of material way because we've covered this but there's so many surveys that talk about how women don't want to get remarried even if they get you know if they get divorced or they're widowed there's so many older women who will all say the same thing that like i don't have any desire to get remarried because so often marriage is not beneficial to women especially women of a certain age and certain generation where they basically had to. And then furthermore, the surveys that show that a lot of single women are happier than women who are in long-term marriages. So, you know, they just haven't proved their case that getting hitched to one of these like sexless incels is vastly superior to being single. Yeah. If anything, it just shows that, you know, the things that they are trying to scare women into compliance because they are afraid of being alone. And they know that the time when men, no matter, you know, what they look like, who they were, they were basically guaranteed a wife long over that's the reason why so many of them they wish we were back in the 1950s where a man didn't have to try before they had a wife because women you know were economically dependent on men but now they actually have to try and actually have to be a good person a lot of them are not capable of doing that yeah the really smart men on the timeline seem to have figured that out yeah exactly exactly They've done the math and they're like, okay, it's not enough to just show up with a job and dick and expect. And quite frankly, a lot of them don't even have jobs anymore because of the economy being kind of shit. So they're not even having, they don't even have that. So I somewhat agree in the sense of a lot of people for sure aren't having children because they can't afford it. Right. But I don't know that that's the problem of male sexlessness because women would still have sex with men, but just not have children, you know, use birth control, et cetera. But there are some women who are not having sex with men because they can't afford to get pregnant. They can't afford to have children. But once again, it's not like a right. Even if the economy was better, a sizable proportion of these men still wouldn't be getting laid because it's a personal problem and not like a total problem of just economics, meaning they are personally repulsive and it doesn't have anything to do with their paycheck. Okay, so there's a number of hot takes on the timeline. So I don't know why I decided to jump into this one in particular, but (laughs) it was pretty funny. So like I said, there's so many of these furry anime avatar types many of whom are just like perpetually online Twitch streamers, etc. There was the ones like like the biggest scrot tears about like, no one cares about men. No one cares about men. So in particular, there's a guy named Shark 300 and calls himself a Sigma male and top 0.15% of Twitch, right? And so he says, as a guy who's always had more difficulty dating and making connections than my peers, 
through life, these convos about loneliness and men always hurt more. A lot of people just don't care. A lot of people have their own narrative. I've spoken to so many dudes who feel the same and people who speak on the issue just want to jump to their own conclusions about it. It's either they're all watching Peterson and Tate and want to strangle a girl to death or it's feminism and Me Too that's ruined everything. But yeah, that, there's your problem. <laughs> Next tweet, honestly, with so many tries and fixing so many issues with my own grasp, I think it's just better to give up. It's not impossible, but at this point, the pain of rejection, scrutiny, and loss for the millionth time is less harmful to just give up. Sometimes it's better to have never have loved it all. Keeping it at arm's length hurts for longer, but is less intense. And with it already not working, so if everything stays the same, it feels better. No one to fold them, maybe. It's just time to get up from the table and go home. For some reason, people read this last bit of me saying Me Too is bad, and this is me criticizing how both people who say this is a Peterson-Tate issue or Me Too issue are wrong and completely missing the point. So my response to this my like very unsympathetic response to this is like the reason why nobody feels bad is because you could just literally get a job, join a rec league or volunteer in your community. This isn't hard, right? Like the subject of male loneliness is generally fixed by getting involved in your community. And then like most of the replies I got were from men who were like, oh, well, how's this going to help me get laid? Right. Dating in the workplace is discouraged by most people. It's just how they relate it to dating. Like it's not just about dating. It's about improving general social skills, right? I just spell out for them something that I think a lot of them miss in the request to get laid, quote unquote, is that just start with being friends with people. You all are so thirsty. You skip past making platonic friends. Making platonic male and female friends is part of the male socialization process. If you can't do that, women will select against you in the dating pool. So I had to tell them that like, you can't, no, you can't expect to show up to any given place trying to get laid and expect people there to immediately open to your sexual advances. For most people actually pretty much with men exclusively, like you have to go somewhere where you're getting socialized into the group so that women, first of all, know you're available, but also like you're smoothing out some of your weirdo behaviors so that you can get a little bit more attractive to women. And things that make women attracted to you are generally like your ability to have pro-social behavior, right? So I think they just fundamentally don't get that. So like most of what they're complaining about in the comments is like, oh, why should I have to go volunteer? I, I try to volunteer and I didn't meet any women there. And I'm like, that's not the point. <laughs> like you're supposed to like, you're supposed to create a network by investing into your community. And your own like personal development. And again, if we go back to our episode on what makes a guy creepy, doing things for the pure sake of picking women up is going to come across as creepy. Yeah. Why does this even need to be said? <laughs> because they don't get it. This is the problem with pickup artistry is that like what they teach men is how to treat every situation as like a sexual opportunity, right? This is they look at it like a game rather than like a way for them to integrate themselves into society and create, basically help to be socialized so that they don't repulse women, right? Instead, they still stay out of the general social group and just use, start to do the like pickup artist tactics where they just think, oh, I'll just go to a bar and just hit on every girl there, right? Or hit every girl on the street, rather than understanding that for most people and for most men, especially having some kind of network will help you make connections with people and people hook you up, et cetera. So that is way more valuable and your ability to integrate into the group than I think Sigma males are like the guys that are like loners, et cetera. This like mentality that you can just be on your own and just like try to hit on a bunch of different women or hope women fall in your lap and you haven't done anything to do it, to make that happen or make yourself attractive there. Yeah, I just feel like this is just another manifestation, as I've said before, about how you know, women's problems are women's problems. If women aren't good enough, then we have to change. So if you're fat, lose weight, you know, you can look more attractive. But when it's men, 
it's like it's everybody's problem and it's not even like everybody's part of the solution really what they're saying is women are part of the solution well okay so some of the comments so just just to go over some of the comments so one guy is like why is the pull yourself up by the bootstraps an acceptable response when we talk about men's issues i thought on the left we understood systemic pressures and socialization and then i wrote describe the systemic pressures preventing anybody from liking you as a person because like the problem with this is that they think there's some kind of like nebulous force that's working against them rather than like them not taking the initiative to work on their personal development right the only time i i i kind of the only thing I would say is a problem that's out of their control is the economy. But even outside of that, like I said, it's not like there's men that are broke to get laid all of the time and have social skills with women. And then furthermore, the tools to be successful and attractive to the opposite sex are an individual problem, right? This isn't like some blanket one size fits all issue, right? For some guys, they have poor grooming. For some guys, they have poor social skills. For some guys, there's so many individual problems that make up a complex system of being attractive to the opposite sex. It's impossible to say that this is the blanket issue that's going to solve all these guys' sexual problems when so much of it is like individualized. So men want like basically they want to society to value them more, but they don't know what they should be valued on. And then furthermore, even if we were to change the criteria, they still wouldn't meet that shit, right? Like they still wouldn't meet the criteria to be valued. So like they don't want women to have sexual standards and they can't like outright say that. So they try to make it seem like, oh, it's society letting them down rather than like it's you letting yourself down because you failed to figure out how to be attractive to the opposite sex. Yeah. And also it's just even if you can do everything right and still lose, just like there are some women who will never find a suitable partner. And it feels like women seem to have accepted that more than men. Some men won't find a suitable life partner. Like it's just the way it is. But then again, if you say that to men, they're going to say like, oh my gosh, it's systemic and it's not fair. Like everybody else should sort it out. Everybody else being women to sort it out. Yeah. I mean, to throw men a bone here, I want to talk about my experience, like having worked in multiple workplaces and having there be like a usually younger guy who's kind of weird and poorly socialized. And as an example of like why my get a job advice is actually not bad advice as far as like helping these guys who don't do well with women or don't know how to speak in a way that is pleasing to others, why forcing themselves to socially interact or going into environments where they can socially interact are actually good for them. Because like when you look at the men who are complaining, like I said, so much of it is like the furry anime avatar crew and they are perpetually online and jobless, right? So that's like, that's part of the reason why they feel so socially isolated is because they're not putting themselves in situations where they are forced to work on their social skills outside of their little coomer consumer brigade. And I basically call them all consumers. So so I wrote a comment here that I'm looking at profiles, timelines, and all I see are porn memes, anime, furry avatars, and pronouns. Yeah, I know why you all don't have friends. You're a coomer consumer, and we did an episode about it. I linked them to our podcast episode, <laughs> our podcast episode called uh, Boomers, Coomers, and Consumers, What Went Wrong with Male Socialization. And also our secondary podcast episode released a few weeks ago called Listen Up Scrotes, Here's Why Women Think You're Creepy, right? So both of these things, it basically shows that male socialization is a, uh, failures are mostly a personal problem of them not integrating in society and spending all of their time consuming porn and consuming video games and not doing anything of value to other people. The problem is, is that these guys fundamentally reject the idea that they're personally responsible for integrating into society by trying to create value for other people to be around them, right? 
they want to be loved for who they are and they want to feel like everyone's going to support them unconditionally, but they don't understand that like literally nobody is supported in anything unconditionally, including women. This to me boils down once again to male entitlement where they feel like they shouldn't have to work to create their own social value with other people. Yeah, basically the moral of the story of this lesson is that if men are lonely, it's not our problem and we don't care, basically. Right. So, okay. So back to my earlier point about, I wrote this thread and I'll pin it to my, I'll pin it to my profile, but this thread is about like the difference between the men who figure out the socialization versus the men who don't. In my experience, having had a couple of different jobs where there's just been like one kind of weird dude that everyone either avoids or embraces depending on their behavior. So this is my tweet thread and you guys let me know what you think about this, but I think this is very, very true. I started out, honestly, I think a lot of these lonely incel types are just covert narcissists. I've had multiple jobs where there has been a male employee who was kind of weird and poorly socialized. Do you know the difference between the ones that made friends in the job and those who didn't? One, willingness to engage with their coworkers. Two, not being a creep. Three, trying to do their job well. The men who made attempts to be friendly, no matter how awkward, didn't hit on their female coworkers, looked like they were trying to do a good job, even if they messed up sometimes, did okay. Older employees usually stepped in to help them along in their socialization. The men who were too entitled and dismissive to speak to anybody or take instruction, sexually approached women, and or slacked off on the job, causing more work for everyone else, quickly inspired ill will from their coworkers. So when I hear a man complain about how he's never made friends at work, I hear, I refuse people's attempts to socialize me am a creep and or don't want to work hard at anything. Someone who thinks they're better than everyone else while actually being a complete leech. I'm not convinced these guys need sympathy, coddling, social programs, or sex because they're covert narcissists who've decided their isolation is evidence of superiority. They need to be told they're not that special, to be more respectful of women, and to get off their ass and get to work and reward it only when they display pro-social behavior. According to his Wendy's co-workers, the Evoldi shooter fit this rude creep slacker profile to a T. It's a travesty he wasn't fired after sexually harassing his co-workers and Wendy's management didn't step in when he made them feel unsafe. So basically kind of pointing out that we actually do have structures in place in society to help men be socialized. It's called the workplace. And this is what like managers and you know senior managers like do that's actually part of the job is to help newer employees or people who are let's say like i don't want to say like undesirables but like some way like some way like to help them process their overall social and pro-social development so when we have these conversations and like men feel like everything's hopeless and they can't do anything and they're never going to meet anybody and like they can't make friends and like that is still your responsibility to, to solve and the alternative is you end up like the 40 year old neat right that we did that bonus content on Savannah <laughs> but that's exactly what happened is like he started to feel like he was too superior for a fast food job yeah and didn't work on his pro-social socialization whatsoever because he refused to engage in any type of basic socialization like the fast food job probably being one of the lowest stakes jobs you can have you can always get another job in fast food pretty much so he didn't even want to do that, in which case, at that point, you've decided to exist outside of the social norm in such a wild way that it, it does isolate and alienate you. But it, once again, it's your problem to solve. I don't know. Like, I feel like the thing is, when you give men advice, they just don't really listen. So I'm not really sure what the point is. Or they just see it as a personal attack or like you don't care. I mean, it's tough because like it's hard to communicate with someone who's just wrapped in that victim narrative, right? Because they're struggling with their anxiety, et cetera. But at some point, I mean, like I said, there are structures that exist, but at some point you have to do the work or like try 
to put yourself out there, especially if you're trying to get laid. Like that makes this entire conversation ironic is like, I would feel more sympathy for them if it was like, oh, I have a general problem making friends. But so much of like their anger and frustration is that they're going places and they're not getting immediately laid there, that women aren't like immediately open to all their sexual advances. Like, and this is why, you know, they, they have the whole Elliot Rogers mentality. It's like, oh, I went up and talked to a bunch of girls and they walked away from me. And like, they have this, this weird sexual entitlement towards women, which is why they can't among other things, inspire any sympathy from people because they haven't figured out how to be a friend to get a friend. You know, like basic, like kindergarten social skills. Yeah. So basically screw these guys. <laughs> and your lack of your poor socialization skills and your loneliness is not our problem. Yeah. There are in fact mechanisms to fix it. It's up to you to do it. Get integrated in your community. This actually isn't that hard. In fact, I think so much of our communities are set up to try to force men into some kind of socially responsible role, right? This is why we have like hierarchical job structures and stuff. <laughs> so that's our show. Check us out on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash the female dating strategy for weekly bonus content and submit your roast to scrope for our Thanksgiving roast. Also, if you want to talk about this episode, go to the female dating strategy.com forward slash the forum. Check us out on Twitter. If you want to follow all the drama at fem.strat and on our Instagram at underscore the female dating strategy. Thanks for listening, Queens. And for all you scrotes out there, die alone and die mad. <laughs> See you next week. See y'all next week. Bye. <laughs>